Section six of Eureka, a prose poem by Edgar Allan Poe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The radical assumptions of this discourse suggest to me, and in fact imply, certain important modifications of the nebular theory as given by Laplace. The efforts of the repulsive power I have considered as made for the purpose of preventing contact among the atoms, and thus as made in the ratio of the approach to contact, that is to say, in the ratio of condensation. In other words, electricity, with its involute phenomena, heat, light, and magnetism, is to be understood as proceeding as condensation proceeds, and, of course, inversely as density proceeds, or the cessation to condense. Thus the sun, in the process of its aggregation, must soon, in developing repulsion, have become excessively heated, perhaps incandescent, and we can perceive how the operation of discarding its rings must have been materially assisted by the slight incrustation of its surface, consequent on cooling. Any common experiment shows us how readily a crust of the character suggested is separated, through heterogeneity, from the interior mass. But on every successive rejection of the crust, the new surface would appear incandescent as before and the period at which it would again become so far encrusted as to be readily loosened and discharged may well be imagined as exactly coincident with that at which a new effort would be needed by the whole mass to restore the equilibrium of its two forces disarranged through condensation in other words by the time the electric influence repulsion has prepared the surface for rejection we are to understand that the gravitating influence, attraction, is precisely ready to reject it. Here then, as everywhere, the body and the soul walk hand in hand. These ideas are empirically confirmed at all points, since condensation can never in any body be considered as absolutely at an end. We are warranted in anticipating that, whenever we have an opportunity of testing the matter, we shall find indications of resident luminosity in all the stellar bodies, moons and planets as well as suns. That our moon is strongly self-luminous, we see at her every total eclipse, when, if not so, she would disappear. On the dark part of the satellite, too, during her phases, we often observe flashes like our own auroras, and that these latter, with our various other so-called electrical phenomena, without reference to any more steady radiance, must give our earth a certain appearance of luminosity to an inhabitant of the moon, is quite evident. In fact, we shall regard all the phenomena referred to as mere manifestations in different moods and degrees of the earth's feebly continued condensation. If my views are tenable, we should be prepared to find the newer planets, that is to say, those nearer the sun, more luminous than those older and more remote, and the extreme brilliancy of Venus, on whose dark portions during her phases the auroras are frequently visible, does not seem to be altogether accounted for by her mere proximity to the central orb. She is no doubt vividly self-luminous, although less so than Mercury, while the luminosity of Neptune may be comparatively nothing. 
admitting what i have urged it is clear that from the moment of the sun's discarding a ring there must be a continuous diminution both of its heat and light on account of the continuous encrustation of his surface and that a period would arrive the period immediately previous to a new discharge when a very material decrease of both light and heat must become apparent now we know that tokens of such changes are distinctly recognizable on the melville islands to adduce merely one out of a hundred examples we find traces of ultra-tropical vegetation of plants that never could have flourished without immensely more light and heat than are at present afforded by our sun to any portion of the surface of the earth is such vegetation referable to an epoch immediately subsequent to the whirling off of venus at this epoch must have occurred to us our greatest access of solar influence and in fact this influence must then have attained its maximum leaving out of view of course the period when the earth itself was discarded the period of its mere organization again we know that there exist non-luminous suns that is to say suns whose existence we determine through the movements of others but whose luminosity is not sufficient to impress us are these suns invisible merely on account of the length of time elapsed since their discharge of a planet and yet again may we not at least in certain cases account for the sudden appearances of suns where none had been previously suspected by the hypothesis that having rolled with encrusted surfaces throughout the few thousand years of our astronomical history each of these suns in whirling off a new secondary has at length been enabled to display the glories of its still incandescent interior to the well-ascertained fact of the proportional increase of heat as we descend into the earth i need of course do nothing more than refer it comes in the strongest possible corroboration of all that i have said on the topic now at issue in speaking not long ago of the repulsive or electrical influence i remarked that the important phenomena of vitality consciousness and thought whether we observe them generally or in detail seem to proceed at least in the ratio of the heterogeneous i mentioned too that i would recur to the suggestion and this is the proper point at which to do so looking at the matter first in detail we perceive that not merely the manifestation of vitality but its importance consequence and elevation of character keep pace very closely with the heterogeneity or complexity of the animal structure looking at the question now in its generality and referring to the first movements of the atoms towards massed construction we find that heterogeneousness brought about directly through condensation is proportional with it forever we thus reach the proposition that the importance of the development of the terrestrial vitality proceeds equably with the terrestrial condensation now this is in precise accordance with what we know of the succession of animals on the earth as it has proceeded in the condensation superior and still superior races have appeared is it impossible that the successive geological revolutions which have attended at least if not immediately caused these successive elevations of vitalic character is it improbable that these revolutions have themselves been produced by the successive planetary discharges from the sun in other words 
by the successive variations in the solar influence on the earth were this idea tenable we should not be unwarranted in the fancy that the discharge of yet a new planet interior to mercury may give rise to yet a new modification of the terrestrial surface a modification from which may spring a race both materially and spiritually superior to man these thoughts impress me with all the force of truth but i throw them out of course merely in their obvious character of suggestion the nebular theory of laplace has lately received far more confirmation than it needed at the hands of the philosopher comte these two have thus together shown not to be sure that matter at any period actually existed as described in a state of nebular diffusion but that admitting it so to have existed throughout the space and much beyond the space now occupied by our solar system and to have commenced a movement towards a centre it must gradually have assumed the various forms and motions which are now seen in that system to obtain a demonstration such as this a dynamical and mathematical demonstration as far as demonstration can be unquestionable and unquestioned unless indeed by that unprofitable and disreputable tribe the professional questioners the mere madmen who deny the newtonian law of gravity on which the results of the french mathematicians are based a demonstration i say such as this would to most intellects be conclusive and i confess that it is so to mine of the validity of the nebular hypothesis upon which the demonstration depends that the demonstration does not prove the hypothesis according to the common understanding of the word proof i admit of course to show that certain existing results that certain established facts may be even mathematically accounted for by the assumption of certain hypotheses is by no means to establish the hypothesis itself in other words to show that certain data being given a certain existing result might or even must have ensued will fail to prove that this result did ensue from the data until such times it shall be also shown that there are and can be no other data from which the result in question might equally have ensued but in the case now discussed although all must admit the deficiency of what we are in the habit of terming proof still there are many intellects and those of the loftiest order to which no proof could bring one iota of additional conviction without going into details which might impinge upon the cloudland of metaphysics i may as well here observe that the force of conviction in cases such as this will always with the right thinking be proportional to the amount of complexity intervening between the hypothesis and the result to be less abstract the greatness of the complexity found existing among cosmical conditions by rendering great in the same proportion the difficulty of accounting for all these conditions at once strengthens also in the same proportion our faith in that hypothesis which does in such manner satisfactorily account for them and as no complexity can well be conceived greater than that of the astronomical conditions so no conviction can be stronger to my mind at least than that with which i am impressed by an hypothesis that not only reconciles these conditions with mathematical accuracy and reduces them into a consistent and intelligible whole but is at the same time 
the sole hypothesis by means of which the human intellect has been ever enabled to account for them at all a most unfounded opinion has become latterly current in gossiping and even in scientific circles the opinion that the so-called nebular cosmogony has been overthrown this fancy has arisen from the report of late observations made among what hitherto have been termed the nebula through the large telescope of cincinnati and the world-renowned instrument of lord ross certain spots in the firmament which presented even to the most powerful of the old telescopes the appearance of nebulosity or haze had been regarded for a long time as confirming the theory of laplace they were looked upon as stars in that very process of condensation which i have been attempting to describe thus it was supposed that we had ocular evidence an evidence by the way which has always been found very questionable of the truth of the hypothesis and although certain telescopic improvements every now and then enabled us to perceive that a spot here and there which we had been classing among the nebula was in fact but a cluster of stars deriving its nebular character only from its immensity of distance still it was thought that no doubt could exist as to the actual nebulosity of numerous other masses the strongholds of the nebulists bidding defiance to every effort at segregation of these latter the most interesting was the great nebula in the constellation orion but this with innumerable other miscalled nebula when viewed through the magnificent modern telescopes has become resolved into a simple collection of stars now this fact has been very generally understood as conclusive against the nebular hypothesis of laplace and on announcement of the discoveries in question the most enthusiastic defender and most eloquent popularizer of the theory dr nichol went so far as to admit the necessity of abandoning an idea which had formed the material of his most praiseworthy book many of my readers will no doubt be inclined to say that the result of these new investigations has at least a strong tendency to overthrow the hypothesis while some of them more thoughtful will suggest that although the theory is by no means disproved through the segregation of the particular nebula alluded to still a failure to segregate them with such telescopes might well have been understood as a triumphant corroboration of the theory and this latter class will be surprised perhaps to hear me say that even with them i disagree if the propositions of this discourse have been comprehended it will be seen that in my view a failure to segregate the nebula would have tended to the refutation rather than to the confirmation of the nebular hypothesis let me explain the newtonian law of gravity we may of course assume as demonstrated this law it will be remembered i referred to the reaction of the first divine act to the reaction of an exercise of the divine volition temporarily overcoming a difficulty this difficulty is that of forcing the normal into the abnormal of impelling that whose originality and therefore whose rightful condition was one to take upon itself the wrongful condition of many it is only by conceiving this difficulty as temporarily overcome that we can comprehend a reaction there could have been no reaction had the act been infinitely continued so long as the act lasted no reaction of course could commence in other words no gravitation could take place 
for we have considered the one as but the manifestation of the other but gravitation has taken place therefore the act of creation has ceased and gravitation has long ago taken place therefore the act of creation has long ago ceased we can no more expect then to observe the primary processes of creation and to these primary processes the condition of nebulosity has already been explained to belong through what we know of the propagation of light we have direct proof that the more remote of the stars have existed under forms in which we now see them for an inconceivable number of years so far back at least then as the period when these stars underwent condensation must have been the epoch at which the mass constitutive processes began that we may conceive these processes then as still going on in the case of certain nebula while in all other cases we find them thoroughly at an end we are forced into assumptions for which we have really no basis whatever we have to thrust in again upon the revolting reason the blasphemous idea of special interposition we have to suppose that in the particular instances of these nebula an unerring god found it necessary to introduce certain supplementary regulations certain improvements of the general law certain retouchings and amendations in a word which had the effect of deferring the completion of these individual stars for centuries of centuries beyond the era during which all the other stellar bodies had time not only to be fully constituted but to grow hoary with an unspeakable old age of course it will be immediately objected that since the light by which we recognize the nebula now must be merely that which left their surfaces a vast number of years ago the processes at present observed or supposed to be observed are in fact not processes now actually going on but the phantoms of processes completed long in the past just as i maintain all these mass constitutive processes must have been to this i reply that neither is the now observed condition of the condensed stars their actual condition but a condition completed long in the past so that my argument drawn from the relative condition of the stars and the nebula is in no manner disturbed moreover those who maintain the existence of nebula do not refer to the nebulosity to extreme distance they declare it a real and not merely a perspective nebulosity that we may conceive indeed a nebular mass as visible at all we must conceive it as very near us in comparison with the condensed stars brought into view by the modern telescopes in maintaining the appearances in question then to be really nebulous we maintain their comparative vicinity to our point of view thus their condition as we see them now must be referred to an epoch far less remote than that to which we may refer the now-observed condition of at least the majority of the stars in a word should astronomy ever demonstrate a nebula in the sense at present intended i should consider the nebular cosmogony not indeed as corroborated by the demonstration but as thereby irretrievably overthrown by way however of rendering unto caesar no more than the things that are caesar's let me here remark that the assumption of the hypothesis which led him to so glorious a result seems to have been suggested to laplace in great measure by a misconception by the very misconception of which we have just been speaking 
by the generally prevalent misunderstanding of the character of the nebula so misnamed these he supposed to be in reality what their designation implies the fact is this great man had very properly an inferior faith in his own merely perceptive powers in respect therefore to the actual existence of nebula an existence so confidently maintained by his telescopic contemporaries he depended less upon what he saw than upon what he heard it will be seen that the only valid objections to his theory are those made to its hypothesis as such to what suggested it not to what it suggests to its propositions rather than to its results his most unwarranted assumption was that of giving the atoms a movement towards a center in the very face of his evident understanding that these atoms in unlimited succession extended throughout the universal space i have already shown that under such circumstances there could have occurred no movement at all and laplace consequently assumed one on no more philosophical ground than something of the kind was necessary for the establishment of what he intended to establish his original idea seems to have been a compound of the true epicurean atoms with the false nebula of his contemporaries and thus his theory presents us with the singular anomaly of absolute truth deduced as a mathematical result from a hybrid datum of ancient imagination intertangled with modern inacumen laplace's real strength lay in fact in the most miraculous mathematical instinct on this he relied and in no instance did it fail or deceive him in the case of the nebular cosmogony it led him blindfolded through a labyrinth of error into one of the most luminous and stupendous temples of truth let us now fancy for the moment that the ring first thrown off by the sun that is to say the ring whose breaking up constituted neptune did not in fact break up until the throwing off of the ring out of which uranus arose that this latter ring again remained perfect until the discharge of that out of which sprang saturn that this latter again remained entire until the discharge of that from which originated jupiter and so on let us imagine in a word that no dissolution occurred among the rings until the final rejection of that which gave birth to mercury we thus paint to the eye of the mind a series of coexistent concentric circles and looking as well at them as the processes by which according to laplace's hypothesis they were constructed we perceive at once a very singular analogy with the atomic strata and the process of the original irradiation as i have described it is it impossible that on measuring the forces respectively by which each successive planetary circle was thrown off that is to say on measuring the successive excesses of rotation over gravitation which occasioned the successive discharges we should find the analogy in question more decidedly confirmed is it improbable that we should discover these forces to have varied as in the original radiation proportionally to the squares of the distances our solar system consisting in chief of one sun the sixteen planets certainly and possibly a few more revolving about it at various distances and attended by seventeen moons assuredly but very probably by several others 
is now to be considered as an example of the innumerable agglomerations which proceeded to take place throughout the universal sphere of atoms on withdrawal of the divine volition i mean to say that our solar system is to be understood as affording a generic instance of these agglomerations or more correctly of the ulterior conditions at which they arrived if we keep our attention fixed on the idea of the utmost possible relation as the omnipotent design and on the precautions taken to accomplish it through difference of form among the original atoms and particular inequidistance we shall find it impossible to suppose for a moment that even any two of the incipient agglomerations reached precisely the same result in the end we shall rather be inclined to think that no two stellar bodies in the universe whether suns planets or moons are particularly while all are generally similar still less then can we imagine any two assemblages of such bodies any two systems as having more than a general resemblance our telescopes at this point thoroughly confirm our deductions taking our own solar system then as merely a loose or general type of all we have so far proceeded in our subject as to survey the universe under the aspect of the spherical space throughout which dispersed with merely general equability exist a number of but generally similar systems End of section 6